You're listening to the Small Business Talk podcast with Kathy Smith, episode 97. Small Business Talk is a podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs who want a better way to run their businesses without spending years doing it the hard way. Small Business Talk is hosted by Kathy Smith, who has run the same marketing agency for more than 17 years and helped hundreds of business owners achieve their marketing goals. Welcome to Small Business Talk. Today, my special guest is Jane Cavell, and we're going to talk about the challenges of growing a business. Well, it's definitely been challenging in 2020, so this is going to be a great conversation. So welcome, Jane. Cathy, thank you. I agree. It's challenging times indeed. So where are you from and why are you here? Uh, I'm from UK and uh, I'm here for two reasons, partly because, as I was saying to you earlier, I have a very soft spot for Australia um, for lots of reasons, including the fact my son is now nationalised Australian, but also because my book, which is coming out in February initially in the UK, is also coming out in Australia next year, 2nd of July on scaling a business. So obviously, I'm anxious to get to talk to as many people as possible over there and and help anybody I can and generally chat away. Excellent. So the challenges of growing a business. And like I said, this year has been definitely a challenge for business people. So can you give us a few tips on people looking at scaling up? This year has shown all sorts of particularly strong gaps. I mean, there are plenty of businesses really thriving out there. And of course, businesses that I've seen and know that have gone to the wall. It's really hugely dependent on sector and how people have managed and how quickly they've been able to pivot, I think. Some of the things have been slightly different this year to normal challenges. So you've got the normal challenges plus all the other challenges that go on at any other time in scaling a business. I mean, for example, if we're talking marketing, the businesses to do all their marketing and, and delivery online have been very well placed to take advantage of the current situation. Whereas if you were a bricks and mortar business, it's been a lot tougher. It's hard to generalize right across the sectors as to specific approaches. But I mean, clearly, one of the first things is that everybody has got to get their online presence nailed. Marketing, when you first start out, is you know, you think you ought to have a social media presence, and that's about it, you know, because, well, I don't know, probably lots of people there are much more efficient than I was when I started out, but it was about all I knew. As you grow a business, marketing starts to come into its own because you begin to study what works and what doesn't who your market is and who it isn't, and what you're getting right about what you're offering and what actually is probably costing you more than it is to get out of bed in the morning. You put all that lot together and, as I say, marketing really comes into its own and without it, it's almost impossible to grow. Marketing, marketing, marketing is probably my first message. That's perfect. And there's a couple of things you said there interesting about different sectors. I was listening to a podcast just recently and they were talking about the legal sector. And of course, unfortunately, with all the pressures that we've had this year, divorce is up. But you don't actually think that if you're an immigration lawyer, your business has been completely wiped out. So it's exactly what you were saying with different sectors. Some people are doing exceptionally well. Other people, unfortunately, aren't. And yes, definitely with the marketing aspect, as you learn who your target audience is and who you're serving best, 
what the problem is that you're actually solving for them, then your marketing can be honed in a lot more. And then that way you actually have to spend less per unit on your marketing than you do in the beginning when you've got a whole bag of marbles and you're just throwing them anywhere, hoping that maybe somebody will grab one. (laughs) That's a brilliant way to put it. I love that. It's definitely interesting. You can tell my age because I suppose some of the millennials and I'm not sure how well it translates to our Canadian and American audience, but Marbles was a a very highly sought after game when I was a child. Me too. We had irrigation drains that had little holes in them and you had to try and flick the marble, which was a glass ball, into the irrigation little hole. And the gardeners used to get very annoyed with all this smashed glass in the bottom of their irrigation. But we do digress. Okay, so marketing's the first step to scaling. What else do you think we should be doing? You've got to concentrate on getting that product or service 100% right. And that, as I say, comes from marketing. But it also comes, of course, from having your team right. I think the more entrepreneurs I talk to, and I have talked to a lot like you have for different reasons, the more I talk to, the more I come to the conclusion that the biggest challenge all of them have is team. Getting the right people is just so hard. So you're nodding, I can see. So I I think you've had this story before. (laughs) Yes, my very first hire was a total disaster. Absolutely nothing wrong with the girl. She was a very lovely lady, but I thought that I would just replace me. She would just do everything I did. But of course... I'm the business owner and she wasn't. And if she wanted to be a business owner, she would have had her own business. Yes, it was a 12-month lesson for both of us. And then we realized that the job wasn't kind of set out the way it should be. I cut a lot of the job and then rehired. And yeah, my second hire was much better when I worked out that if I wanted a bookkeeper and a web designer and a social media person and a writer and, 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 that was actually eight jobs, not one. So, yes, my first hire was um, pretty interesting and, like I say, no fault of hers, totally my fault. I think everybody falls into those traps. And interestingly, as you grow, you know, you were saying about having to be the business leader. Of course, you have to stop being me and the business leader. You have to get out of the business and let the people there run it. So you are looking to incentivize people to nearly work at your level, possibly with not quite your devotion, but near to it. So it sort of works in reverse. But one of the good things that's come out of the pandemic is that there's so many fantastic freelancers out there who are willing to become contractors. So you've got eight jobs to do rather than go for a superwoman or superman who's going to do all eight. You can actually, you know, do a bit of this and a bit of that and find somebody who's a specialist, which can work really, really well. And I think that's been a big trend that I'm seeing is people are using contractors much, much more. And I think the other thing too is as you grow and scale, you actually need eight different people for those jobs because there there is now enough work for a full-time social media person, for a full-time web designer, for a full-time bookkeeper. So yeah, you do have that advantage of actually getting a specific person to do a specific job. And especially in that kind of situation, because obviously a bookkeeper needs to be analytical. If you're doing writing, then you need attention to detail. If you're doing design work, then you need a creative. And the creative is not going to be doing attention to detail and they're certainly not going to be doing analytical work. That's definitely an advantage of scale that you can then have a dedicated person for each of those jobs. 
Absolutely. And with contractors, I think, you know, again, you get that flexibility because as your workload grows, the amount you contract can grow too. And, you know, if worse comes to worst, you can scale back again very easily without horrors of having to get rid of people. But, you know, you can judge when each job becomes a full-time one and worth recruiting for. And, you know, you've really nailed what you want and how it's going to work and how your mind is going to transfer what you want on somebody else's by them. So, yeah, I think using contractors is a really good way to grow safely yes absolutely and sometimes it's better to have two contractors or two part-time people rather than one full-time if you haven't got quite enough work or if you've got work where you sort of need slightly different skill levels so you might have like a graphic design job and a web design job but you mightn't have enough for both or you might have someone who's really creative in one area but not quite so much in the other area so you can get two people to do the job and then you've got that option and then hopefully you grow enough so they both have full-time jobs. Absolutely. And we as business owners tend to try and be creative so we're good at analytical figures and everything else. But in the long run, we're not as good as we could be on each of those things because, well, A, we multitask and B, we do a bit of everything. Whereas if you get somebody absolutely wonderful in design, they're going to out-design you. And part of growing is finding wonderful people who do particularly what you do badly. It's not so much what you, no, I'll correct that, not what you do badly, what you don't enjoy. But if you can get rid of the work, you think, oh, I don't want to do that first, then you will be happier and you will thrive, which means business will thrive. Definitely. And I like the way you corrected it about what you do, not what you do badly, because sometimes you're actually very good at it. You may not enjoy it, mm. but you're actually very good at it. So it's that kind of sweet spot, isn't it? It's, it's something that you do well, but you actually enjoy. So that's what you should be sticking at yeah. until you get to a point, of course, where you're not doing any of the do. You're doing all the leadership, the creative and the forward planning. But in the first instance is, yes, definitely get rid of the things that you don't like or you're not good at. Yes. My second thing I got rid of was bookkeeping because <laughs> it took me forever to do it. I could do it. wasn't overly good at it, but I could do it. So I engaged a bookkeeper and she did it in like a quarter of the time and much more efficiently. It's just efficient. As well, as you rightly say, it does. It takes somebody who knows what they're doing. And of course, with, with something like bookkeeping, I mean, a good one will know about putting the details in the right places, so your best place for tax and, and save you a ton of money as well. A good bookkeeper will mean that they hand with such good accounts to an accountant to sign off. The accountant literally has to glance at them and sign them off, which saves you a fortune in money because accountants can be quite expensive if you turn up with a bundle of old shoeboxes full of receipts. The other thing that I find with bookkeepers is, um, particularly here with our GST, um, our goods and services tax, they have to have a certain level of PD and keeping up with legislation and that sort of thing. And now of being an employer, then there's all of those kind of things that are required by legislation and laws as well. So they keep up with all of that. So that's one less thing that I've got to do. I think everybody, if not your first hire, but definitely your second hire, should be a really good bookkeeper. I think so too. And if they're properly protected, uh, they've got loads of references, you know, you can get a good one. I remember going on a business training on one occasion with a lot of other entrepreneurs who did point out the amount of fraud that goes on in bookkeeping 
from bookkeepers is actually quite frightening. But people don't tend to talk about it because they don't want to admit that it's happened because otherwise other people who go in for such things will think they're easy game. So it doesn't surface to the general public all that much, but it is well worth getting being really careful about references with anybody who's going near your money, really. I mean, that's just not bookkeepers, but anybody who's doing buying for you or anything else. Yes. Charlene Johnson, who's a social media person in America, she talks about doing a season. So making sure that you actually do a season in your bookkeeping so you know what those records are, you know what a P&L is, you know what should be happening there. Even if it's just once a month, you can glance over that. Yeah. So you can certainly see if there's money disappearing or whatever it is. All right, so we've talked about marketing. We've talked about team. Another tip that we should be discussing. I think strategy is important to get your head around strategy from an early time. And by that, I don't mean necessarily some frightfully complex, highfalutin business plan that somebody who's got several degrees in strategy could do. I mean, literally to get an idea of being very sure what you want to do with your life and your business. Because I think it's quite easy to launch into a business full of enthusiasm and all good things and want it to bring in an income or be a good idea at the time or whatever, but with no idea of a future. It's fairly easy as a sole trader to, of course, just cease to trade and wind up your accounts. If you grow a business, then you've got a living kicking animal and it's far less easy to diverge yourself of it and you get caught and you think you ought to go on and one thing and another. And of course, businesses don't stand still. They either grow or they shrink. And if you don't have a clear plan, you end up not being in control. And we'll start businesses wanting control of our lives and freedom and holidays or time with our families or all those things or whatever we want. But sure, it's, it's nearly always about control of some sort. And without a plan, we start to drift and we start getting stuck in the mud, just just up, up to our heels in work and wondering where on earth we're going and why we're miserable. I think a, a vision of the future is really important and being clear of where it's taking you and why you're doing it. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point because sometimes we have these runaway carts that we're not sure how we got into in the first place. And yes, the, the people that think that doing their own business is going to mean a, a four-hour work week and um, total freedom. Well, sorry, I'm about to burst that bubble. That is definitely not the case. You might maybe with 20 years experience and a lot of capital, but certainly not in the beginning stages. That's not how it works. Yes, having a plan. And then it also helps you with shiny objects too. You see all these wonderful things. You get emails all the time. You should be buying this and you should be doing that. And here's another course. And up until now, of course, here was an exhibition or a seminar. Do that, do that. If you've got a really clear cut plan, you can go, okay, does this progress me for my six months goals? Does it progress me for my 12 months goals, my two year, my five year? And that really cuts the noise down and you go, well, no, that's just something nice to happen. Well, have a look at it when you're on holiday not when you're trying to run your business. Absolutely. That's an excellent point. And I think that's something that COVID's made much worse is the level of people trying to sell you stuff, throwing it at you every time you dare breathe on social media or when you open an email. And as you say, you know, some of them are very cleverly written or look very appealing. And it's, you know, you do start thinking, oh gosh, that would help me. I'll sign up for this. I'll sign up for that. I'll just have a quick word with them. And it's a nightmare and you don't actually get on with what you're supposed to be doing. Spot on, Cathy. 
That's the other thing, isn't it? It's such a time waster because you're going down that rabbit hole going, well, is it for me? And yes, unfortunately, people are doing social sell at the moment very badly. As soon as you connect with somebody, suddenly all your inbox is absolutely full of buy my stuff without them even trying to make any kind of connection. So guys, if you are out there trying to do social selling, please do it in three or four or five connections first, not just the first one. Oh, hi, Kathy. All right, now buy my stuff. Have you heard? No, you need to slow it down. It needs to be that relationship building or your conversion rate is going to be shocking no matter how great your thing is. Yeah, LinkedIn is atrocious for it now. It is. It's connect, sell, connect, sell, you know, and you can't do it. It's funny, isn't it? Because sales actually used to be a numbers game and just, you know, get whatever you were flogging in front of somebody and push it and one in a million would buy if you pushed hard enough. And you can't sell like that anymore. It's not a numbers game anymore. It's it's about trust and relationships. And yet, We've got this funny sort of reversal on social media that's that's like a throwback of 50 years. It's weird, but you're right. It's very weird. Yeah. And I always use the analogy of you would never ask somebody to marry you on the first date. You you probably wouldn't even try to do a kiss. You might sort of have a (laughs) bit of a conversation and, and ask for the second date, but you certainly wouldn't be going in there and saying, spend the rest of your life with me. Whereas, like you say, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, they're all the same. Yeah. But you basically, you connect and then suddenly you get this whole novel saying, buy my stuff. Well, I'm not even going to read it. I know what the outcome's going to be. So in some ways, I suppose it's good because it's cutting out all the noise. I don't need to be worrying about that one. Definitely not a numbers game these days. We do really want to have relationships. And the internet and, of course, the, the pandemic has made that so much more accessible to people. So instead of just your patch being your geographical location, like at the moment, we are are speaking to each other and I don't know how many thousands of kilometres we are from each other or miles as our US audience would be. But we're almost probably about as far in the world as you can get apart. But we're just all in the same room. So I know, yeah. it's lovely. And, and the human connection has grown tremendously in the pandemic. I mean, it was heading that way anyway, because everybody was fed up with distrust. Now they need the human connection as well. So there's poor selling and poor research. I mean, the internet makes a bit of research. It takes seconds. You think what it used to take, sort of research and find out about somebody. And yet I get a tr- Graciously written things coming to me saying, this will interest you because you're this. No, I'm not. On a bad day, you're tempted to really snap back and say, you know, read my blasted profile even on LinkedIn as a start. You know, how is that going to sell to anybody? Really crazy. My absolute bugbear. I hate it. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> yes, I always find it interesting and we still get the cold calls and they ring up and they say, hey, I've been on your website. You need web design. Hmm, that's interesting. (laughs) You've been on my website and what do I actually do? I don't know. Well, (laughs) guess what? I'm a web designer, so I don't think you've been on my website at all. And I always remember that they sent some to Google as well, saying we can put you on page one, number one on Google. Oh, Um, yeah. We are Google. Yes. crazy stuff. It is, absolutely. Unfortunately, this sort of tech, there are a lot of cowboys. I, I, there are some brilliant people as well, but my goodness, there are a lot of cowboys, aren't there? 
There certainly is. And we could take up the whole podcast of our our pet strategies (laughs) and marketing beefs. So maybe we might move on to the next tip. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, selling, you want to bin anything that sort of smells in your marketing of fake, your marketing and sales. You're going to need to get that human connection back. You know, sort of looking at your website and thinking, have I got fake photographs of fake people on there? It's all gone. It, It is about being human and being vulnerable and building relationship. You've got one good relationship with one person and they can say good things about you to 10 and that 10 can say it to 100. That's the way to build a business now and not, not you know, trying to shove it down people's faces. So you've got to get back to the sales being with trust to grow a reputation that's going to last, that's going to keep your business going over time and build a business with. That's really important and it comes into the whole being real, being authentic bit. Yes, I think that's a good point too, because a lot of people have spent a lot of time trying to be somebody else because they go, but you won't like me if I'm me. Well, unfortunately, they won't like you if you're somebody else either. Absolutely right. Why spend all that time memorizing your line like an actor? Why not just be you and the people that will like you will gravitate to you? And there's other people out there that will like you. So they'll definitely, you'll have a market depending on what you're doing. And the ones that you repel, well, you really didn't want them anyway. But spending all that time and doing the the whole actor and trying to be somebody else is not going to be a long-term strategy for you either. Spot on. One of the big ones we haven't mentioned, and that's cash flow, because cash flow is just so critical for growing businesses. And people tend to look very, very short-term at cash flow. So a lesson that people have learned the hard way with the pandemic is it's not about having money to pay the bills on Friday. It could be about money to pay the bills and pay yourself and live for the next three months. Phrase which you learn as you go over cash runway time where it takes to actually be able to to still live and run your business before you run out of runway, run out of cash. And that's become so much more important. You know, going back to your point, I think, which is very valid of doing your own books for a while. I think having a constant, really good knowledge of your own cash flow actually is terribly important as you grow your business to know your cash flow. And you need to have a good plan with a decent runway for emergency. Yes, we call it a war chest. I don't know if that's an Australian thing or it's just a different name for it. But yeah, definitely making sure that you've got that three to six months of being able to go into battle and survive is so important. And I think the underlying theme that we're definitely running through this episode is numbers and money. You really do have to know what your numbers are and you have to have that extra money because, yeah, this year is definitely showing that you just don't know what's coming up, you don't know what's around the corner. And even if you've got beautiful signed contracts and good supply chains and customers and that sort of thing, you just don't know what's going to happen and things can change so very quickly as we found Um, out this year. Yeah, I mean, it probably is my last tip on as we're talking about money, but um, talking to a banker entrepreneur who who sort of had stopped and had children and started becoming a tech entrepreneur, but from her banking experience, she said that she would advise anybody who starts off to actually check their bank account every morning and every evening. And that will teach them about cash flow quicker than anything else and get them to really know how the money works in their business and i can absolutely get that it would be a crash course in knowing backwards what hits your business and what it doesn't really impact i think that was excellent advice so i shall share that 
Yes, I think that's good. And also knowing your numbers and your cash flow really does help once again with the shiny objects is you can see whether you can actually afford that. <laughs> okay, you've so, done your research, you found the most fantastic course online. It's really going to motivate your business. It, it's great, but you just don't have the money. So maybe it's just not the right time. Yeah, sometimes you just have to do what you did like a kid and budget and wait for Santa to bring it to you. Well, maybe not Santa. Did you budget as a kid? I did, actually. My mother was a bookkeeper. Wow. Yes, I got the lesson on numbers and money very, very early on. And it was very interesting because I'd had my business for 10 years before I actually went and did some formalised study. Yeah. And my mum had instilled a lot of things into me. So when I went back and did a certificate for in small business management, I found out why I was doing the things. I'd had it all right. I was doing it all right. But now I knew what, what a cash flow was and why I was doing that report. And I knew why I had to do all the things I was doing. So, yes, I had my business set up rather well. Thank you, Mum. Very nice. But I think it should be part of education, talk proper financial knowledge and, you know, understanding. It's, it's crazy we don't teach it as a set program in schools. Yes, we don't teach a lot of things in our education that would probably be a, a lot better off than some of the things we do teach. But that's, that's a topic for a, a complete yeah. other podcast, <laughs> I think. Okay, so let's recap on those tips. Marketing, we did strategy, we did team, and we did cash flow slash money. Well, we sort of slid sales in there. Okay, so is there anything else that you think our SBT listeners should know when they're thinking about scaling up their business? I think it's a be ready, be sure you want to take that step. It, It takes even more effort than it does to start up to grow it. And it's a big decision. Get yourself ready and make sure you've got the support of the people around you. And this is actually, this is a tip I normally give. So you seem to have extracted my first one is you want to be in the right place yourself, in the right place in your head. And you want to be in the right place surrounded by other people who understand and will support you on that journey. So sort of both in your personal life, just in a nice supportive way and give you the space to be you and with experts to guide you, which isn't necessarily the people around you at home who will say yes you're brilliant whatever you do a good team of experts and a good supporter in your personal life certainly and i think also a decent budget behind you so you have got some of that runway that money to make sure that you don't have to rush in and get every client that walks through the door because as we know marketing to everybody is marketing to nobody and there's lots of clients that aren't actually for you having that little bit of space and breathing money makes it really good Well, I think we've covered quite a bit here, Jan. So if anybody would like to know more about your book that you did mention and Scaling a Business, what's it called? Where can they find it? And how can they contact you? Lovely. It's called Scale for Success. It's published by Bloomsbury and you can find it on their website or you can come to mine or, or of course, Amazon. Um, But my website is jancavell, that's J-A-N-C-A-V-E-L-L-E.co.uk. And there are links to buying the book and lots more about the book and a bit more about me. You can contact me through my website if you've got questions about scaling a business or if I can help of any way, don't hesitate to get in touch. Fabulous. And at this point in the podcast, we do the final five questions. So are you game? Go on then. What is the best advice given to you by a mentor? 
to develop myself, you know, because I think unless you're open to being developed or developing yourself, you know, you won't change for business mind and you won't and you won't be a fit for your own business anymore. I like that. That's very good. What is the biggest help that you have received since starting your business? Goodness, I've got a a very different business to what I used to have now as an author and a writer. I think I've had fantastic help from editors. I mean, I used to, you know, I don't know if you've got any listeners who are writers out there. I was writing for business publication online, digital publication for several years. And the editors were brilliant in giving me a break to allow me to do it and also to learn my craft. They were nice to me when they told me what I was doing wrong and encouraging but firm. Excellent. And we do need to know that because we need to know what our mistakes are so that we can correct them and learn and move on. Okay. What is the one thing that you have to do every day? You're non-negotiable. I'm pretty non-negotiable. I mean, this probably sounds a bit fair, but I'm pretty non-negotiable about saying saying a gratitude statement any day, every every morning the last few years. And I find it really, really changes my one's outlook in life. You know, I would have laughed at at somebody else if they told me that 10 years ago, but it does. It just makes me feel oh yeah I am I'm a damn lucky person every day (laughs) and we definitely are like I said before offline being in southern western Australia we have been exceptionally lucky this year and yes every day I am very grateful for what I do very grateful for where I live and that none of my family has been directly affected so gratitude is definitely a good one what is your favorite business book and why Oh, wow. I actually love the P- Pat Lencioni. I never know if he's Pat Lencioni or Lencioni. Curious enough, it's the Italians, soft C or hard C. But I don't know if you've come across his books, but they're no. on team and leadership. Um, he's got a brilliant one on team called Get, Get Naked. And I would really recommend for his books. Excellent. That's what I like about asking that question. Sometimes we get the same ones over and then we get some just straight out of the the left field. So it's always good to hear what other people are reading. And our last question, what do you wish you had known when you started out? I think sort of at the beginning of life or any career or anything else, I wish I'd known I allow myself to be me. To, to have that courage to be me, to be authentic. And I mean, as you know, we were saying earlier, some people like you, some people loathe you, but you know, you're just so much happier. <laughs> it's great. So yeah, that. Uh, and I love that question too. We've had everything from they don't want to know anything to they want to know everything. And that confidence seems to be a, a reoccurring theme there. So we're really pleased about that. So when you're really happy about being authentically you, you get that confidence actually for two sort of mould into one. Yes, you definitely do. I know when I was in my 30s, I wasn't comfortable in the skin I was. But by the time I hit 40 and beyond, take me as I am. And if you don't like me, well, there's somebody else for you. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I think that makes choices in life and business so much easier when you realise that every decision is not personal. Nine times out of 10, even if they're rejecting your work, it's for some other reason. It's not actually got anything to do with you. So be comfortable in your skin and realise that even though the business is your baby. Yeah, absolutely right. (laughs) So this has been wonderful and challenges of growing your business. I think we've covered many from little businesses to, to very large businesses. So I appreciate your time and look forward to seeing your book out, Jan. Appreciate you coming on and we will pop all your links in the show notes. And the SPT audience can look you up. So thank you very much. I shall look forward to enormous that. Thank you, Cassie. 
Don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk Podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash downloads for all the show notes and links to this episode. Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode, take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action. And SBT community, enjoy your journey.